Dan Riskin is always on board for pretty well anything. He's our science expert. He joins us for Test Tube Thursdays. Dan, good to have you. Good to talk to you. How are you? I'm good. This is something that comes up whenever you're at the cottage or camping and a bunch of people are sitting out and one person says, why am I getting all the mosquito bites? But apparently some of us are more attractive than others. You know what? This blew my mind because, okay, fine, whiny person at the campfire. Yes, there are more mosquitoes on you. You know, 10%, 20%. What they did for this study is they had a whole bunch of people. Uh, there were 64 volunteers for this. They basically wore these nylon stockings around their arms to pick up the stink of themselves. <laughs> and then once they'd you know worn these things for a couple of days, they submitted them to the lab. So they have these 64 samples of human smell. And then they just counted the mosquitoes on them. And Subject 33, whoever that is, we don't know if it's a male or a female, we don't know anything about them, but we know it's one individual. They were four times more attractive to mosquitoes than the next person in line after them. So so number two was, they were four times higher in their attractiveness to mosquitoes. But if you compare them to the person who was least attractive to mosquitoes, it was a difference of a hundred times. So all of a sudden, I realized that I've been underestimating how bad some people have it at the cottage. Like I, I get mosquitoes, but not ridiculously. But when people say that they're a magnet for mosquitoes, we could be talking about a hundredfold difference in the number of mosquitoes that they're experiencing. So that was eye opening for me. It turns out that they were able to isolate that it comes down to certain chemicals in the sebum in that that oily stuff that you get on your face that comes out of your skin, these carboxyl these carboxylic acids that are different among people seem to have some kind of a, a role and you know we're not at a stage yet where we could like you know make a perfume that would make mosquitoes go away or figure anything out about how to solve this problem but i think we just really realized that it's a much bigger deal uh, at least i realized it's a much bigger deal than i was giving it credit for carboxylic we should make that our keyword in our grand in the hand contest oh, yeah sure and how many people are going to spell it right when they text it in sure or call it in i guess you just got to say carboxylic but okay i wouldn't do that to people that's just mean i've been seeing this story on and off through the week about how snow crabs have disappeared from waters off of alaska what's going on did they migrate somewhere else are they all dead yeah, this is um this is pretty if you've if you've ever watched that great show on Discovery Deadliest Catch with Mike Rowe doing the voiceover and all those fishers, you know, catching these big huge crabs and taking a big haul and manly this and it's anyway, it's pretty compelling stuff. And you just imagine that under the water the whole seafloor is just crawling with these snow crabs that they can harvest. But uh before the harvest every year, uh the Alaska government sends a, a trawling boat out to scrape the uh, a couple samples from the bottom of the and just make sure the populations are good. And in 2018, there were like 8 billion snow crabs. Last year, that number fell to about a billion. So that's a crash of more than 87%. And what they think is going on, uh, not surprisingly, Alaska is heating up faster than any other state in the union because uh, the farther north you are, the faster climate change is warming things up. And what they think is pretty simple is that the, the water's just getting too warm for these crabs. And so they may have moved farther north. They may have moved to pockets uh, in Russian waters, uh, but much more likely the scenario is that they just haven't been able to survive the change in temperatures. And so uh, for now, they've, they're monitoring the populations. There, there was a big boom of young crabs a couple of years ago, which normally would mean that you had mature crabs this year. But it seems that because the water is warmer, their metabolic needs are higher because they're, they're cold-blooded organisms. So how much food they need is directly related to what the temperature is. So as the temperature goes up, they just need more food. And so some people are speculating 
speculating that they've gone into a cannibalism frenzy and they're mm. eating each other alive. And that's why the, the numbers have crashed. I haven't seen data that support that, but that's what some of the experts are, are saying is probably going on. So uh, we'll see whether things recover, but it doesn't look very good. Okay. It's going to be a sad time at the Mandarin Buffet. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, this kind of leads naturally to this story about Idaho potatoes. And apparently this is kind of painting a portrait of what agriculture is going to look like in the coming years. Yeah, this is a, a big study that's being put on by scientists at McCain. McCain's a Canadian company, uh, but they're, most of their, their, their biggest potato product. <laughs> this is a tongue twister. Their biggest potato production uh, comes from Idaho. And uh, and in Idaho, they've had a lot of smoke and a lot of extreme temperatures because of climate change or because of uh, the big fires that we've had out west. And uh, the anecdotal stuff that's coming from the farmers is that their yields are down 10 to 15%. And so is that the smoke? Is that the extreme temperatures? What's going on? So they've started a, a three-year study, and uh, this is well underway now, where they're looking at things like the chemicals in the smoke and exposing plants to that in an experiment setting to see whether that's what's causing problems or is it just the haze of the smoke that reduces photosynthesis because they're not getting as much sunlight or is it the extreme temperatures that wilt the 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 green parts of the plant so that they can't make as much starch in their potatoes but uh you know potatoes are a huge uh, a huge uh thing for for North America. Certainly about half of the potatoes that are grown get made into French fries, which all of us enjoy. Uh, and so this is a, a big deal, but it's not just about potatoes. This is the new reality for farmers out West that, you know, if it, it's true for potatoes, it's also true for onions. It's true for other crops that they grow. Uh, how are we going to continue to grow plants in a changing climate? We don't exactly know what the climate's going to look like. We don't exactly know how regular these fires are going to be. Uh, can we make new strains of potatoes that are resistant to these things. That's just the reality of this future that we're marching into with our fossil fuels of burning uh, and not yet solving the stem of the problem, which is that we have to get off these fossil fuels that are causing these problems to the crabs, to the potatoes and, and all of it. Dan Riskin, thank you very much. Nice to have you. Thank you.